Hello and welcome to the podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things, this time for the business week ended 22nd September 2023. This is Ian Haydock. This time, Novartis gives back Beijing PD-1, BMS revs R&D engine, Anthos changes course for Factor 11 asset, the non-incretin pipeline for obesity, and a look at Q2's top-selling drugs. Novartis has decided to jettison a second immuno-oncology agent from its partnership with Beijing, though Beijing itself is taking its PD-1 inhibitor, Tislelizumab, forward in a variety of indications and has just won approval in Europe for esophageal cancer, which the US FDA is currently considering. Beijing said on 19th September that it had gained full rights from Novartis to the PD-1 inhibitor Tivimbra, which is Tislelizumab, including development, manufacturing and commercialization, which the companies had been developing under a license agreement since January 2021, Alaric Diamond writes. Beijing said the same day that the European Commission had approved Tivimbra for second-line advanced or metastatic esophageal squamous cell carcinoma, or ESCC, while the FDA had accepted its BLA for Tivimbra in first-line ESCC. Novartis' move marks the second time in two months that it has backed out of an I.O. deal with Beijing. In July, the Swiss drug maker decided not to move forward with Beijing's TIGIT inhibitor Osipurlimab, which had been in development for solid tumours, handing back full rights to the drug. In the original January 2021 deal for Tislelizumab, Novartis paid Beijing $650 million up front, along with potential regulatory and sales milestones of more than $1.5 billion. Novartis dropping to Vimbro comes five months after the company streamlined its own pipeline, culling a number of oncology assets. The latest move also leaves Novartis as something of an outlier among large pharma companies with a significant presence in oncology, in that it doesn't have an approved PD-1 or PD-L1 checkpoint inhibitor in late-stage development or on the market. In a statement, Novartis had said that since entering the partnership with Beijing, the PD-1 inhibitor landscape has changed considerably. As a result of this, we have reassessed our strategy in this category and decided to terminate this agreement. This decision will provide Novartis with greater flexibility for development of its unique, potentially transformational pipeline assets, notably in markets where there are already approved PD-1 therapies in desired indications that can support development of our novel IO combination programs, the company subsequently told Script. For its part, Beijing noted that it had launched more than 20 potentially registration-enabling trials of Tevimbra. Bristol-Myers Squibb is revving its R&D engine with the goal of filing 10 new IND applications each year for candidates emerging from its various discovery platforms. But the company's R&D executives insist that the focus on speed and productivity does not mean BMS is compromising on the quality of its therapeutic candidates across oncology, haematology, immunology, cardiovascular diseases and a growing effort in neuroscience. The company described its efforts to boost productivity and bring more drugs forward faster during an R&D day event on 14th September highlighting its targeted protein degradation and cell therapy platforms as being particularly productive sources of new therapeutic candidates, Mandy Daxon writes. 
As a result, BMS plans to double its number of registrational stage programmes from 6 to 12 during the next 18 months, and it has more than 30 candidates in earlier stages of development. Chief Research Officer Robert Plenge said in an interview with Scrip that the company continues to evolve its R&D organisation with an emphasis on improving productivity. That means increasing the number of IND candidates that enter the clinic, improving how fast programmes move through the clinic and ensuring that each asset is a high-quality drug candidate. Sometimes people equate speed with decreasing quality of the conduct of the clinical trials and concerns that integrity might suffer, BMS Executive Vice President and Chief Medical Officer Samit Hirawat added. And I want to make sure that it's well understood that integrity and quality in the conduct of our clinical trials is the North Star and never going to be compromised. Nevertheless, speed also is top of mind as the company aims to increase its success rate for candidates that move from first-in-human trials to approval to about 20%, while also achieving a median time from first-in-human trials to approval of 6.5 years. Much of Bristol's pipeline building efforts are driven by its own discovery platforms. However, external partnerships also remain key, and the company has more than 100 active strategic collaborations with outside firms plus 150 academic research alliances. Plenge noted that Bristol's focus on causal human biology, matching the best drug modality to each mechanism of action, and bringing drug candidates forward with a clear path to clinical proof of concept, has shaped the company's approach to re-establishing a neuroscience therapeutic area within its R&D pipeline. Privately held Anthos Therapeutics' ambition to take on major players in the anticoagulant space with a dual factor 11-11A inhibitor got a boost on 18th September with the announcement that the phase 2 Azalea Timmy 71 trial in atrial fibrillation patients at risk for thrombosis was stopped early due to an overwhelming reduction in bleeding versus the established direct oral anticoagulant Xarelto. In an interview with Joseph Haas, Anthos CEO John Glasspool said the US firm is now thinking of seeking a commercial partner for its drug, Abelacimab, as it has altered its go-to-market strategy to focus on AFib first, rather than cancer-associated thrombosis. Anthos started a phase 3 placebo-controlled study in AFib patients with stroke risk that may report data in late 2025 or early 2026. The firm thinks if that again shows a substantial magnitude of effect compared to control, it would present rationale for US FDA approval more quickly than two ongoing comparator controlled studies in cancer populations with risk of thrombosis. Licensed from Novartis in 2019, Abelacimab is expected to offer stroke prevention with placebo-level risk of bleeding, Glasspool told Scripps. Anthos's go-to-market strategy now centres on the placebo-controlled phase 3 study in AFib patients, a bigger market opportunity than either cancer setting, the executive said. That has led the company to determine that it will likely need a large commercial partner for the drug to reach its market potential, he said. The 1,287 patient study was halted by the Independent Data Monitoring Committee when the primary bleeding endpoint was met before the planned number of clinical events occurred. 
Amthos is working to reach markets ahead of a pair of oral factor 11A inhibitors, Bayer's Asundexian and Bristol-Myers Squibb's Johnson & Johnson's Milvexian. Bristol and Pfizer are partnered on the marketing of Eliquis, which along with Bayer and J&J's Xarelto, currently corner the market for direct oral anticoagulants. But Glasspool said he believes abilazimab will hold several advantages over the oral factor 11A inhibitors if they reach market. The Anthos drug is the only dual factor 11-11A inhibitor which should offer more profound suppression of factor 11, and Glasspool anticipates that as a monthly injectable, abilazimab will result in greater patient compliance than an oral daily therapy. Anthos expects both hospital-based and home-based use of abilazimab if it is approved. The success of incretin mimetics, most notably Nova Nordisk's Wagovi, in obesity is so extraordinary that large numbers of similarly acting agents are being pushed through clinical trials, their developers each hoping for a piece of the pie. What's perhaps less explicable is that the other companies are pinning their hopes on obesity candidates with entirely different mechanisms of action. The two main incretins are GLP-1 and GIP. Eli Lilly's Munjaro, which carries huge expectations in obesity, mimics both of these hormones, while Wagovi agonizes just GLP-1. The incretin mimetics are expected to account for 8 of the expected 10 best-selling obesity products assessed by forecast 2028 sales calculated by Evaluate Pharma. Scripps Elizabeth Cairns identified 20 or so investigational products through Evaluate and BiomedTracker for which the most popular mechanism targets the amylin receptor. Though Lilly is on course to have a blockbuster in obesity should Munjaro be approved in the disorder this year, it's not averse to hedging its bets. The group is working on several non-incretin therapies, though only one has advanced to the phase two stage. Lilly obtained the activin type 2A and B inhibitor, Bimagrumab, via its acquisition of Vasanis Bio in July, and immediately announced its intention to combine the therapy with Munjaro. That will be a future endeavor, however. For now, a Vasanis-originated Phase 2 trial is testing bimagrumab alone and in combination with Novo's Wagovi. Novo itself is also playing in the non-incretin space. NN9775 is an analogue of neuropeptide Y, a hormone that regulates appetite. A Phase 2 trial in combination with Wagovi concluded last year, but no results have been released and Novo's development plans are unclear. It's notable how many non-incretins are being developed as add-on therapies to GLP-1-based drugs, but some are being pursued as monotherapies and could offer hope to patients unable to tolerate the incretins' known gastrointestinal side effects. See the article for full details, as well as a table of the non-incretin obesity pipeline. Finally, an infographic on the top 10 global best-selling drugs of Q2 found that Merck & Co's HPV vaccine Gardasil, along with Johnson & Johnson's Darzalex for multiple myeloma, entered the ranks, while there was no product for COVID-19 in the lineup for the first time since 2020. 
Merkinko's anti-cancer checkpoint inhibitor, Keytruda, has maintained its position at the top of the league table of the world's best-selling drugs in the second quarter, Eleanor Malone writes. It attained supremacy for the first time in the first quarter of 2023 as COVID-19 product sales began declining and Abvi's Humira, which for many years had dominated the list, suffered a steep drop after losing US market exclusivity and facing biosimilar competition from late January. Combined sales of the top 10 best-selling drugs globally fell precipitously in the second quarter of 2023 from $46.3 billion in the second quarter of 2022 to $32.8 billion. The decline on the previous quarter was more modest from $33 billion. The decrease reflects the sharp drop in sales of vaccines and drugs for COVID-19, with three products departing from the top 10 compared with the same quarter a year earlier. The exit of COVID-19 vaccines Comirnaty and Spikevax, as well as the COVID-19 pill Paxlovid, made way for Azempic, Gardasil 9 and Darzalex, all of which have been growing steadily for a number of quarters. The latter two made their debut in the top 10 list in the second quarter, and this was the first quarter without any COVID-19 products in the top 10 best-selling pharmaceuticals since 2020. The brands that have been growing consistently since the beginning of 2022 include Keytruda at the top of the table, as well as Ozempic, Dupixent and Darzalex, and all four of these brands look set to continue on an upward trajectory. In contrast, Humara's loss of exclusivity in the US in the first quarter has cut its quarterly revenues, although they remain high overall and even increased in the second quarter compared with the first quarter. Keytruda's growth has been outperforming Merkinco's expectations so far this year, reflecting strong uptake of recently launched earlier stage indications. Gardasil, the company's second product among the top 10 bestsellers, grew by 53% year-on-year in the second quarter, which the company attributed to international demand, particularly in China. Novo's once-weekly type 2 diabetes injection Ozempic has grown rapidly, fueled in no small part by surging off-label use for weight loss, leading to product shortages. Some of that demand will shift to Ugovi, the newer version of the same GLP-1 agonist, semaglutide, indicated for chronic weight management for the broader population of overweight and obese adults. However, both products' growth continues to be tempered by supply challenges due to the huge demand. Sales of Pfizer-BioNTech's mRNA vaccine for COVID-19, Comirnaty, fell to $1.5 billion in the second quarter, its lowest quarterly revenues since it was launched in December 2020. At its peak in the third quarter of 2021, it had booked $14.6 billion in quarterly sales. Check out the full article for all of the details and for the infographics of the data. That's all for this time. Many thanks for listening. And a reminder that the link in the description below will direct you to the stories mentioned today, which are only a small part of Scripps' content last week. Log in to access this or take a free trial to see what you're missing. Bye for now.